Good morning. morning. It's nice to see all of you. If you're visiting with us, we are especially pleased to have your presence with us today. Um, Please keep in mind our youth group and the adults that went to accompany them. They are finishing up a weekend at uh, in Gatlinburg at uh, Winterfest. They um, should be on the road now. They had a dead battery, and so things got uh, a little bit detained, but uh, they'll be on the road for some 13, 14 hours. So please pray for them all afternoon. Every time you think about it, say a prayer for them. Uh, They are scheduled to arrive here sometime between 2 and 3 in the morning tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on how you want to look at that. So uh, please keep them in your prayers. Uh, 19 kids and 7 adults. And so uh, it's a good group. And we pray that they... um, Make it back slavely without any other problems. Also, uh, uh, you've already looked at your bulletin and the various announcements and activities next week. Uh, after, uh, um, well, in the evening, uh, next Sunday evening, we'll have the Black History Celebration. So please make a part to uh, make it a point to be a part of of that. Um, on our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, we've already seen Jesus do some amazing miracles. And um, he's given some really outstanding, uh, out-of-this-world kind of teachings, right? Supernatural teachings that he has brought uh, with his presence. Um, And the thing that strikes me as we walk with Jesus, as we follow him, he's going to take us to new places. He's going to take us to new relationships. He's going to lead us into new experiences And that's not only as individuals, but even within our family and also within the church. And what's striking is that sometimes that path that he leads us on and that we follow, that path will often lead us through a storm. And today Jesus is leading us out of the shallow end of the pool and he's taking us into the deep water. And to get there, we have to go through a storm. Let me read the text, and then we'll kind of walk through it on the screen. But just listen to the text, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed But soon, a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. And then he responded, he rebuked the wind and responded to the disciples, asking them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? they asked one another. Even the wind and the the waves obey him. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a small lake. It's nothing the size of Okeechobee. 
but it's totally surrounded by pretty tall mountains. The water gets pretty warm, and the mountains have pretty cold air, and when that air swirls down, especially in the evening, creates sudden, fierce, and incredibly chaotic storms. But what was happening among the disciples or in the disciples is something a little bit deeper. I mean, they've seen Jesus heal people that had no hope of life. And yet, they're astounded by his power over nature. Theologian N.T. Wright helps put this in context he observes that the Jewish people as a whole were pretty much land lovers. They weren't a seagoing and seafaring nation. Other than the fishermen, pretty much the people were used to sitting on hard, dry land, living in deserts, going from one place to another, from one oasis to another. And as a result, or perhaps the other way around, because of their ideas and concepts, they chose to stay on the land. But they had this idea that the waters of the oceans and the seas held all of the evils of the world. In Genesis chapter 1, the earth is covered with this dark, tumultuous water. The Spirit of God is hovering and as God begins the creation process, he separates the water and allows the dry land to appear. The Hebrew people believed that the ocean was where all of evil came from. And that's where sea monsters and other dangers that could threaten God's people lived. And so... There's already a certain hesitancy about the ocean. It's like taking someone who has a fear of flying and putting them on a particularly turbulent flight. From bad to worse. And so as they are with Jesus through this storm, there's a couple things that I just want to point out. Notice the calm before the storm. At evening, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, keep in mind whose idea it is to go out on the water. It wasn't the disciples. They were simply following Jesus' command and his suggestion. Also notice how he describes their journey. Let's go to the other side. Jesus is taking us into new territory, new places. And when we get to chapter 5 next week, we'll see that he begins to delve into really challenging situations. The healing of this demon-possessed man in the Gerasenes. But, but I want to think about where God might be leading you. Where, where is it that God is leading you that you're really not sure about and you're wondering and there's doubts and concerns? It, it might be about a relationship. It, it might be about a job. It might be about your future, what country you live in, what you're going to do. 
It could be something related to here at church. As God leads us on this path, following Jesus leads us to places that can make life a little unstable. And so then the disciples are simply doing what Jesus asked and they find themselves in the middle of this fierce storm. You know, I can't do it justice, but if you try and imagine these tough, leathery-skinned fishermen shouting and screaming, shoving one another to try and stay dry or to bail the water out of the boat or trying to get to Jesus And what the torment, what the, what the storm does is it, it brings something out that they didn't even know was there. Teacher, master, don't you care? Do you, do you see where they went with this? The fact that we're in this storm means that God doesn't care. Because you see, if God really cared, he would have protected me from this storm. If God really cared, he wouldn't be falling asleep on the job. If God really cared, he would have given me what I wanted. Whether it be that relationship, or that job, or that house, or that visa, or whatever it might be. And when we find ourselves in the middle of the storm... It's easy for us to forget the calm. See, Jesus didn't say, let's go out to the middle of the the lake and die. Where did Jesus say he was going to take them? To the other side. Oh, yeah. So we can't die here because he said he's going to take us to the other side. I I, I read this week as I was preparing this lesson, uh, uh, a, a person wrote about this saying... When you're in the dark, don't doubt what you heard in the light. Don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. Because you see, when we're in the middle of the darkness, when we're in the middle of the storm, we forget everything that God has done. Oh, yeah, he rescued me from that. Oh, yeah, he answered that prayer. Oh, yeah, he's done this, and he's done this, and he's done this, and he's done this. And when we're in the middle of it, all of that just seems to fade away. So don't forget in the dark what Jesus has told us in the light. We're going to the other side. So, yes, we're going to get through this. And then the last thing we see is... Jesus' response. He rebukes the storm, and then he responds to the disciples. You know, I, I kind of view this response, or this rebuke of Jesus. Stop scaring the kids. Just stop it. Don't you see how the disciples are reacting? Jesus, as he has responded over and over to the demons... And to the forces of evil, 
he looks at them and says, just stop it. Leave these people alone. And that's what Jesus tells the winds. Stop scaring my kids. And then he turns to the kids and saying, what are you so afraid of? Well, it was that thing was scaring me. Ah! Do you still have no faith? Do you still not believe? Have you forgotten? And I can imagine there was some mopey kind of, well, he started it. I mean, I was perfectly calm until he started freaking out. When Peter started freaking out, well, then that got me excited. Kind of kicking their rocks in the boat. <laughs> so, so let me just make some brief application to this in a broader sense and then make a very specific application to our context here at Sunset. Let me just point out, the presence of a storm does not mean that you have strayed from Jesus. The presence of a storm does not mean you have strayed from Jesus. It might mean that you've strayed, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. The disciples were right next to Jesus. They were doing what Jesus asked. He was the one who led them. And so the fact that you find yourself in a storm should not create this self-doubt that unfortunately some people in the world are really good at creating, well, if you would have just been a little bit better. Oh, this is because of that what happened way back then. When Catherine and I found out that we were pregnant with our first child in Argentina, I couldn't sleep for weeks. See, I had lived a pretty wild and riotous life. And I was convinced that God was going to get me. I'm serious. I was convinced that he was going to punish me. He was going to show me that he was going to take it out on me. And not even on me, he was going to take it out on this little child. So what should have been the happiest news in the world threw me into a whirlwind of doubt. And I don't think I'm the only person that has gone down that road. Because I was told your sins will catch up with you. God never forgets. You reap what you sow, Jim. And I had sowed. But, you know, it, it, it leads me to the second thing. Just because you're in a storm, it doesn't mean that you strayed from Jesus. It might be that you're following Jesus and you find yourself in that storm. But the second thing, the storms aren't always bad things. The birth of a child is one of the most chaotic times in a person's life. And yet, it's also the most joyous. Storms can be things that just catch you off guard, that throw your life into a tailspin. But once you've gone through it, you would never go back and, and not want that experience. Even those of us who might have the most rebellious, challenging child, 
or family member, when you get right down to it, would you want your life without that person? Most of us would say, no. (laughs) You know, uncle so-and-so. So the presence of a storm doesn't mean that you stray from Jesus. Storms are not always bad, even though they're scary. Another reality is that what is a storm to you might not be quite so tumultuous and tormentous to other people. I travel a lot with a particular person who is very near and dear to me. And when we fly, we have two different reactions to turbulence. (laughs) My reaction, which I feel is the correct reaction, (laughs) is very calm, no deal. Pilot's got this under control. Wings are meant to be bent up to 90 degrees. (laughs) The reaction of my partner is to grab onto my wrist Drain the blood out of my hand. (laughs) What is a storm to one person is not necessarily so tormentuous. But if we are truly family, if one person is going through a storm, then that's a storm for me. If one of us is grieving, then we should grieve. If one of us is rejoicing, we should rejoice, says Paul. And then the last thing I just want to point out is that storms are frequent occurrences in our lives as individuals, in our families, and then even as a church. So let me take just a minute to abuse your patience, especially if you're visiting with us today, to talk about some family matters within our congregation. The Sunset Church is an independent congregation. We are governed by our elders We don't have a board. We don't have a denominational head. And so occasionally we need to talk about things within our family. And we don't have a Sunday evening assembly of the entire church. And so Sunday morning seems to be the the, the best time to do that, even though sometimes we have to talk about family matters in the presence of visitors. And that's, that's okay for us. We just feel bad that you're sitting through this, but um, the elders have the opportunity and yet also the responsibility of determining what is best for this congregation. We know that God is the head, Jesus is the pilot of this boat, but the elders are the flesh and blood individuals who guide and determine what is best for the congregation. They meet almost every week. And spend a couple hours in study, prayer, deliberations, and thinking about what is best. And also, they spend time interacting with each of you. In January of last year, the elders asked me to teach a class, a series of classes, on Sunday morning regarding the role of women at the Sunset Church. I taught the six-week class first in English, and then I taught it and repeated it in Spanish. Uh, if you didn't hear those classes and you, or you would like to hear them again, they are available on our church website, sunsetmiami.org. Uh, you can go to the menu and scroll down where it says Bible classes and then scroll down to the bottom of the page and you will see a button there 
uh, Women Serving God at Sunset, and that will take you to the various recordings. At the conclusion of that series, uh, members who were present were invited to fill out a form that indicated their understanding and feeling on different uh, roles that women could perhaps occupy that they were not currently uh, serving. And then these results were tabulated. Uh, The elders spent a lengthy period of deliberation and discernment and have now asked me to share those results with you, the congregation. Uh, As you might expect, with a congregation this size, with this kind of diversity, where people have come to Sunset from different countries, different parts of the country, from different religious heritages, Uh, there is a broad number of reactions to this type of study. Some felt the study should not have been done. Why are you even doing this? We know what the situation is. It's a waste of time. Others felt like the study was long overdue. It's about time you're doing this study. And then there were individuals who didn't have strong feelings one way or the other. Now, keep in mind that the results that you will see on paper are just the results of those who chose to fill out a form. We can't begin to know what were in people's hearts and minds. We don't know what they would have put if they would have put something. All we can do is reflect what was filled out on paper. Some members were not present for the classes, didn't fill out a form, And among those that did fill out a form, some chose to fill out parts. There was no one there telling them you have to fill in every space or else we won't accept it. And that leads to the fact that sometimes the numbers are a little bit skewered. And you would look at that and think, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, keep in mind, we are imperfect people filling out imperfect forms through an imperfect process. Now... The forms are available at the Welcome Center, and you can pick one up if you're interested at the, uh, uh, after the class, uh, after the, the Sunday morning assembly. And I just want to keep in mind that we're reading it w- properly, right? And so there's a list of various functions that women could possibly fulfill outside the Sunday morning assembly and then within the Sunday morning assembly, what we would call church. Uh, The percentages that you'll see are the percentages of Sunset members who filled out the form who are in favor of that particular action, whatever that item is. The elders have stated all along that this is not a vote, that this was to gauge the congregation's pulse and interest and where they are on different kinds of these issues. The elders have said that they would not necessarily use that form as the only source of information, but rather they would evaluate the responses with thoughtful deliberation and then allow you, the members, to give them individual and personal feedback. We also want to clarify that the elders have not made any decisions about changes to the way the women in our congregation serve God here at sunset. You can look at the results, and then you are invited to interact with them 
through this process. Let me just point out that you guys, even many of you more than me, you know these men. Many of you have grown up with these men. You know their heart, and you know the kinds of leaders they are. This eldership is not the kind of eldership who demands obedience or else you're out the door. They are not interested in leading and guiding in a way which would violate the principles of Scripture that says that as shepherds of the congregation, you should not lord it over the congregation. A good part of every weekly meeting is spent in prayer for the needs and the situations that our members are going through. They are truly concerned about your welfare and about being responsible to God. And they are concerned about the welfare of this congregation. But that means that they are concerned about the welfare of people that want path A, and yet they are equally as concerned about people that want path Z, because they're both sitting in the pews. And so their responsibility is to the congregation as a whole. Now, some of you feel like, because you've communicated it to me, some of you feel like this whole situation is like we're in the middle of a storm. And let me just tell you, if that's how this feels, we're not going to stay in the middle of the lake. God wants to take us to the other side. This is part of a journey where God is leading us. What the next steps will be will depend a lot on your interaction with the elders over these next weeks and months. God knows where he's taking sunset. He has led his church through situations that have been much more conflictive, much more tumultuous, much more challenging than what this study might appear in your mind and heart. With the church, as well as with our own personal lives, it all comes down to trust. Is God bigger than the storm? Is God bigger than this conflict? Is God bigger than this difference of interpretation and difference of attitudes and understandings. Can we trust God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to guide our lives and to guide our elders as we move into the next stage of whatever it is this congregation will be facing? I want to reiterate, the elders have not made any decisions, and so this is a process. Remember the calm, and remember what Jesus wants to do in our lives as well as the lives of this church. It serves God no good purpose to leave us in drowning in the middle of the lake. We're going to the other side, and God wants to take this congregation to that other side. What that will look like, stay tuned. We'll all be journeying in this, bo- in this boat, I was going to say barca, in this boat together. 
So as, as I bring this message to a close, I don't know what storm you're facing. It might be this situation that we've mentioned. It's probably not been the most present concern in your heart and life. But whatever that storm is that you're facing, please know that Jesus is in the middle of the storm with you. And even if it seems like he's asleep, and even if it seems like he doesn't care, even if it seems like he's not acting in our best interest, God doesn't slumber, and he doesn't nod off. And God is always looking out for what is best for us. He is leading us, and we in faith will follow. We would love to pray for you if you're facing a particular challenge right now. If there's another situation you would like us to pray for, we would love to help you with that. I invite you to stand. We'll sing, and you can make your way to the front.